0: welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Leonard Davis. Thanks for joining us for this lesson in our series, Who I Am, where we'll be studying the book of John and where we see that John is writing these things to everyone so they might believe and that in believing they might have life. In this awesome book where John presents the Messiah Jesus as God, we'll see lots of key truths and great application that we can apply to our own life. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. Turn your Bibles to John chapter two. John chapter two. Today, we are going to be going through basically the rest of chapter two. It's verses 12 through 22. We're gonna see the best zeal. We're going to see the zeal of Jesus. Obviously, that's why it's the best zeal because it's Jesus' zeal, uh, and so everything he does is the best, right? And so we're going to look at the best zeal, and so we're going to read verses 12 through 22. Then we will pray, and then we will get into it. Okay. So if you're there, look at verse 12 of John chapter 2. And we'll start reading. It says, "After this, he went. He being Jesus went down to Capernaum." He and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. And then, verse 13 And the Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers seated at their tables. And he made a scourge or a whip of cords and drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and turned over their tables and to those who were selling doves he said take these things away stop making my father's house a place of business his disciples remembered that it was written zeal for your house will consume me and then the jews said to him what sign do you show us that your authority for doing these things and jesus said to them destroy this temple and raise it up in three days and the jews said it took us 46 years to build this temple will you raise it up in three days but he was speaking of the temple of his body So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken to them. (coughs) All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day you've given to us, and thank you for all the blessings you bless us with. I pray that we would be zealous for you, um, and that we'd look at Jesus' zeal for you and for your house, God, and that we'd be able to imitate that, God. I um, pray that today uh, you'd encourage your convictions as needed and it be your words and not mine. Um, we love you and we pray all this through Jesus' name. All right, amen. Alright, so today we're talking about zeal. And so we want to be zealous for God. And so as we look at that, we want to look at define zeal. Okay, The easiest, simplest definition of zeal is enthusiastic devotion to something. Enthusiastic devotion to something. Um, and it could be anything when speaking today, we're gonna to see about being enthusiastically devoted to God and how Jesus was enthusiastically devoted to the house of God and to God's ways and the things of God. Uh, there's one, there's an animal, okay? This is a humpback whale. There's an, this is a whale that people say is enthusiastic. And they say it's enthusiastic for two reasons. You may not know it, but they're very playful and they're very enthusiastic. Uh, when they jump. Okay, so these things, are, these things are like 50 foot long. Okay, so they're huge, but they jump all the way out of the water, even though they weigh like 40 tons. And so they're huge, but they jump out of the water in like a playful manner. And then they also have this song that they sing. And it's weird, I know, because they're underwater, but you know, how underwater songs work and all that. So this thing sings song, and it's the longest song in the animal kingdom. So they sing the longest song in the animal kingdom So they're very joyful and they're very enthusiastic about what they do um, and which is, you know, jumping out of the water and playing with each other and all that kind of stuff. So this is an animal that sometimes people say this is an enthusiastic animal. And so we want to be enthusiastically devoted to God. That's what we want to be. That's what we're going to look at today want to be excited, not solemn, and um, we want to be excited and not do things halfway, not wasting time. want to be doers of the word enthusiastically, and that's what somebody who's zealous is. I have three quotes for you today, okay? And we're going to look at all three quotes, and we're going to look at what Jesus does here, okay? First one, Thomas Fuller says, Zeal without knowledge is like fire without a light. Okay, zeal without knowledge is like fire without a light. So he's saying you have to have knowledge to have real zeal. have good zeal and we're going to see it Jesus had knowledge and we'll look at it it says this is Owen Felton he says zeal without humility is like a ship without a rudder liable to be stranded at any point okay so he's saying without humility zeal is worthless so if you're prideful and arrogant in your zeal it's not going to be good it's not going to be real zeal the best zeal and then there's one more this is by Charles Fillmore. He says, let your zeal be tempered with wisdom. Okay, so three things, this is just our culture and our world, but three things that they say our zeal should have with it, alongside of it, knowledge, okay, wisdom, and humility. Okay, and we all know, even though those are, that's our world saying those three things, that we all need knowledge, wisdom, and humility. Right? Those are all biblical things. And so, as we look at this, we're going to look at Jesus and His zeal and what He does. We're going to see if He had knowledge, wisdom, and humility in it. And the question for us, as we go through this and as we look at it, is what are you zealous for? And I think I put that on your, on your list there, on your sh- sheet. But what are you zealous for? Are you zealous for anything at all? At all? Enthusiastically devoted to something. And are we enthusiastically devoted to more or more to some things than we are to God and to the ways of God. And okay, so let's look at it. So we're, first we're going to look at Jesus' knowledge, okay? This is in verses 12 through 14, um, and some of it is, it's throughout the whole thing. All, all these things we look at are kind of throughout the whole thing. We're going to look at 12 through 14, uh, but we're going to look at Jesus' knowledge of what's going on because he has knowledge before he performs his action of zeal. Okay, and we'll look at it. So verse 12, uh, so they go down to Capernaum, verse 12. So look at verse 13. We'll start there. It says, the Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and dove and money changers seated at their table. Okay, so now he's been up north, and he travels down to Jerusalem. Okay, and he travels down for the Passover celebration. Okay, during the Passover, it's a celebration. Does anybody know what they're celebrating at Passover? I what is it? Uh, when, uh, God, when the angel struck down all the firstborn of Egypt, he passed over the Israelites who put the blood on the, on the doorway. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that night in Egypt, um, before they're getting ready to leave, God, the angel, comes through and strikes all the firstborn. But those of Israel, God tells them to put the blood on on the doorposts, and the angel passes over their house and doesn't strike their firstborns. And so this is a celebration of that, a remembrance of that. And at the Passover, you could offer different sacrifices um, for different things, okay? And so some of those sacrifices would have been bulls, lambs, uh, and doves would have been some of the things that you could have sacrificed, and there's some other things as well. And so um, he goes in and he finds... Uh, these people that are selling oxen, sheep, dove, and money changers. Okay? This is the first time he goes in and he, what we call, cleanses the temple. Okay? We haven't got, I know we haven't got to where he's actually cleansing it yet, but this is the first time. The other synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So in Matthew 21, Mark 11, and Luke 19, it tells of a second time he does that, and it's at the end of his ministry. So he goes in and he he cleanses the temple at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry. But he sees these things. He sees what's going on. He sees that these people are selling these things. And he has knowledge. Okay, first off, because he's Jesus, he knows their heart and their intentions. But also, he sees what's going on and he knows what the will of God is. Okay, and we'll look at it as we go through it. Okay, first, let's look at the temple. Okay, this is kind of a just a sketch of the temple that somebody had, Um, and then this is kind of like the diagram <coughs> excuse me the diagram of the temple okay so when he enters here and there's these people selling a uh, constable along with a lot of other people think that the court of the gentiles you see it kind of highlighted here um i'm pointing on my screen you guys can see my screen so the court of the gentiles like up here and right here this is where these people would be selling um these animals and these money changers would be money, uh, changing money for people so that they're able to buy things um, and making profit in that way. So he goes into the temple and he has knowledge not only about Old Testament laws and sacrifices and the Passover, but he also has a knowledge of what the will of God is, okay? Because in verse 15, which we'll look at a second but I'll go ahead and read it, he makes a whip of cords or scourge of cords and he drives out, drives all of them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, okay? So, he goes through and he does this action, but why does, he do, why does he do it? Because he understands what the will of God is. Okay? And he understands that these people, what they're doing. So what are they doing? Okay, what are they doing? Why is it a big deal that they're selling uh, bulls, sheep, and doves, and that there are money changers in the court of Gentiles selling stuff? Why? Okay, so this probably started out, As something that was actually not very bad, probably started out as something good because people would travel from a long ways to get to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, right? Okay, so they travel a long way, and then they may not want to bring their animals that whole long way with them, right? And so they would sell animals in the court of Gentiles so that they can make sacrifices to God. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, they're supposed to be the best sacrifices, all that, so they would have these animals and they'd try and sell them. However. It is beginning to turn into something that is a profit, okay? That is a profit for uh, these money changers and for the people selling these things. That's why Jesus says, you have made the house of my father a den of robbers because they're robbing their fellow uh, Israelites by over overcharging them or by uh, making uh, outs- um, insane profits on them, okay? So he comes in. Okay, they're buying these animals, um, and that's fine. But Jesus comes in, and he says, and we'll look at it in a second, um, I think. But he says in Matthew that my or my father's house is meant to be a house of prayer. Okay, but you've made it a den of robbers or a den of thieves. And so he comes in, and the constable. When I was reading constable stuff, which he's like a just a pastor, but. Um, he says, you know, this is, when he comes in, it's this idea of like this marketplace kind of. Like this is supposed to be an area where Gentiles can, see this court of Gentiles? This is for the Gentiles to pray and worship God in. Okay, They can't go into the temple, into the inner courts, if you will. But they could stay out here and they could pray and they could worship God. And so this is meant to be a place where they're praying and worshiping God. And yet it's like a, market, a busy marketplace. Okay, and I know we don't have like marketplaces anymore, but if you go to Walmart on Memorial Day, it's kind of like a busy marketplace. Everybody's trying to buy everything, and there's you know they don't have enough doves of that, the kind that I want, and they don't have the right bowl that I was thinking I was going to get. And there's people saying, hey, I got this over here for sale. And you're saying, I got this over here for sale. Mine's cheaper. Hey, I'm, you know what I'm saying? So there's this ruckus and berserk berserk is the word that constable used, but it's a berserk marketplace out here when Jesus walks in and this court of Gentiles is not supposed to be that way. He knows that. He has a knowledge and an understanding of what God wants for his house because he knows the Word of God and I mean because he is God, right? So he understands that. but if we understand the Word of God, we can know what God wants as well. and so we can be zealous. okay The contrast here, I think, is this den of robbers, these money changers, and these guys that are selling um, the animals, they are zealous for personal gain, okay? They're zealous for personal gain. Why? How do I know that? Because they're out there trying to make a dollar in the place where they shouldn't be, at a time when they shouldn't be, and they're disrupting what God has, has for this quarter of Gentiles, this temple area. Okay, so they're out here trying to make money, and they're zealous for personal gain, and they're disregarding what God wants. And so then Jesus comes in, and again, at the very end, we're gonna look at what Jesus actually does. But he comes in and he is zealous for God. And he can, and it's the best zeal because he understands what the will of God is. Okay, and so we need to understand, we want to be zealous, right? Okay, we want to be zealous for God, we wanna be enthusiastically devoted to God, but we need to understand what the will of God is. We need to understand, like if I'm if I'm zealous for God but I'm doing something that God doesn't even like or want. That's not the right kind of zeal, right? We need to have knowledge with our zeal, just like Jesus did. He understood the will of God, and so he could be zealous for God, okay? All right, so that's the zeal. uh, That's the knowledge of Jesus. Next thing is Jesus' humility, okay, Jesus' humility. I see this in verse 16. We're skipping 15, I know, a little bit, um, but we're going to come back to it, okay? So, And to those who are selling the doves, he said, uh, take away these things and stop making my father's house a place of business. Okay, stop making my father's house a place of business. What is the purpose of a business? First off, going back to my last point. To make money. Okay, so these guys were trying to make money. Okay, he says, stop making whose house? My father's house. Who is he worried about? His father. His father. Okay. Okay. When you're prideful who are you worried about yourself Yourself. he's not looking to the interest of himself but he's looking to the interest of the father so when we're zealous okay there's a there's times we can be zealous and um we can be worried about our own glorification in the process okay and sometimes it takes on like this holier-than-thou um like idea or attitude Okay, Jesus, okay, even though he was holier than thou, because he was holier than everyone, he didn't have to take on the attitude of a holier than thou person in this situation. Because what he could have done, like the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees often did, is he could have come in zealously, thrown over the tables, got rid of everybody, and said, No, you guys need to act like me. Okay, and technically he could have done that. I mean, because he's God, right? He could have done that, like, and without even pride. Right, but he his attitude here is so worried about his father and his father's house and what his father's will is, and to me that shows humility. Okay, and if you look at it, um, he doesn't belittle the people here. He belittles the sin. Okay, I'm gonna I'm just gonna read 15 through six, 15 and 16 again, and let's see what he actually does. We're gonna go back and look at this in a second, but let's see. Let's notice if he if he calls out and, may, and gets mad at and like hits the people or the things that the people are doing? Okay, it says, And he made a scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. Okay, so what is he worried about? He's saying, Hey, First off, when he's when he's whipping and, and driving out, he's not whipping and driving out people. Okay, it's the sheep and the oxen. Okay, those are the things that he's driving out, and he's getting them out of what the temple, the temple, the, the core of the Gentiles. He's getting them out of the place of prayer. Then he doesn't just. Uh, well, then he uh, he takes the money. Okay, the profits that these money changers are making, and he throws it on the ground. Okay. And that's the sin sin that they're doing, essentially. It represents that, okay? Because these guys are trying to make profit in the Gentiles' court. So he throws their money on the ground and, and throws their tables over. Okay? That's what he does. And then, after that, he walks up to these people selling doves, and he says, get rid of these doves. Take them out. Okay? He doesn't just, like, let the doves go so they can't ever get them back. But he said, take the doves and get them out of here. Okay? So what is he doing? He's getting rid of the objects of sin. He's getting rid of the things that are causing them to sin. Okay? And He didn't tell the people, as I was studying this and I was looking at it, He didn't tell the people to leave and not come back. He told them to get those things out of here. And so I think Jesus is humble because He's not holier than now. He's not saying these people are worthless now. He's not demeaning them, but He's focused on the sin and what it's doing to His Father. And he's focused on that and the the zeal is for his father. Okay, he could have he could have publicly punished those people in front of everybody. Like, did he have the right to do that? I mean, he's God, right? So he did. So he could have publicly punished these people or publicly reprimanded them, which he kind of did in some ways for their sin. But he really he just gets rid of all this these items of sin. Okay. Um, which goes along, I think, with John 3, which we're gonna look at soon. Uh, which says he didn't come to the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. You know, the world, is, the world doesn't need Jesus to judge them. We're already judged, right? Because we're already sinners. The world is already judged. But he came into the world to save the world. Okay? Now, that being said, he's still worried about his father's house. He's still zealous for the things of God. And he still hates sin. Okay, and that's what he's doing. He's getting rid of this stuff. So that's, I think, his his humility. I think we can see it there. Okay, next we'll look at Jesus' wisdom, and then we're going to come back and look at the action of zeal. Okay, we're going to look at all the action of zeal together and see, put it all together and, and talk about it. Okay, so this is in verses eighteen through twenty-two. Okay, now this is in his reply. So he comes and he he does this action of zeal, which we'll look at in a second, and then some of these guys, the spokesperson, if you will. Um, for the leaders of the Jews in that temple or whatever they come to them, and They say in verse 18, what sign do you show us of your authority for doing these things? Okay, and Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So he says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. They think he's talking about the temple that they're standing in when he's talking about the temple of his body. Okay, so verse 20 says, the jews then said it took 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days but he was speaking of the temple of his body so when he was raised from the dead his disciples remembered that he said this and believed the scripture and the word which jesus had spoken now i think you can see wisdom all the way throughout this whole passage and what he's doing when he's coming to the temple how he does it Uh, but i think it's pretty evident in this reply that Jesus is showing wisdom. Okay, so these spokesmen for the authorities or whatever come over to Jesus are saying, "Hey, what gives you the right to run these people or these animals out of here and tell these people that they can't sell things? What gives you the right to do that? Show me a sign that you have the right to do that." Okay, and Jesus doesn't say, "I don't need to show you a sign, I'm God." He does what he does many, many times throughout his ministry, and he uses something that unbelievers won't understand, but believers will later on. He says, "I'm going to destroy this temple and I'm going to raise it up in three days." So he prophesies so that his disciples one day will remember it and have even more evidence for the truth of him. And he, at the same time, says something that these guys won't even understand. Okay, he. Uh, I think this shows wisdom in his words. Obviously, he's Jesus, so all of his words are wise. Okay, but I think it shows wisdom just from our perspective and looking at it. His reply: It's not cocky it's not arrogant it's not um you know it could be a lot of things which uh which it's not it's just this reply that confuses one side and gives hope to the other side like the believers they're going to get hope and they're going to get all this stuff out of it eventually one day which is what it says when he rose again they understood it and they remembered it and to the authorities are like okay you can't do that like what do you mean? You're gonna raise it up in three days, right? And later on, the they actually use this uh, quote against him, and they say that um, he said whenever they're like he's on trial and stuff, they use it. They say, hey, he said that he's gonna destroy our temple and raise it up in three days. When he didn't actually say that, he said he was gonna destroy his, or they were gonna destroy his body, and then he would raise it up in three days. And so, I think that kind of shows the wisdom. It's not a rash or demeaning. Um, answer or reply. I think it's calculated and it's thought out, which shows wisdom, okay? So now, all of that, we see Jesus' wisdom, his knowledge, his humility. Let's look at his zeal and what actually happened, and then let's put it all together and see um, if it's something that we should or can emulate, okay? This is verse 15 through 17, okay? So we're going back up to the top. 15 says, he made a whip of cords and he drove them, meaning all the sheep and all the um, cattle out, or oxen, Okay, with the, uh, out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers, overturning their tables. And those who were selling the doves, he said, Take these things away from, uh, and <clears throat> stop making my father's house a place of business. And his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Okay, so what are the three things that he did here? Okay, he whipped out the oxen and the sheep, he got them out of the courts. He poured out the money and turned over the tables of the people that were making profits, okay? And he told the bird sellers to get rid of their birds, the dove sellers to get rid of their doves, okay? He's getting them out of the, God, the house of God, the place me- that's meant for prayer, okay? Again, the court of the Gentiles is where they're at, and he's getting them out of there. He's saying, get out of here. This is a place that's meant for prayer, not for profit, okay? He's worried, and he cares about what God uh, has said and God's will. constable says this, okay? And I like it. It says, Though Jesus' action was violent, it was evidently did not constitute a threat to the peace in the temple area. The Roman soldiers uh, from the adjoining uh, fortress would have intervened quickly if it had. So what is he saying? He's saying a lot of times we think of Jesus going in there and wrecking everything and, throwing, and making this huge violent thing. And although it was violent towards the objects of sin and the things of sin, it obviously wasn't even violent enough for the uh, Romans to think that there was actually like a disruption, okay? Like, yeah, he threw over the tables for sure. He was zealous. He got rid of the animals and the doves and he got rid of the people making money. But it was not so violent that the Romans had to step in and, and stop it, okay? So let's just keep that in our minds as we look at this, okay? His action is not violent against people, but against the the sin. I know I've said that a lot, but think about the zealots. How many of you guys know about the zealots from this time period? Okay, so when Jesus, before Jesus got there and Jesus, there's like the Maccabees and all that, and there's these guys called zealots. Okay, the zealots were supposed to be zealous for the law of Moses. So they took it very literally, um, they took things very literally in the old testament and they ignored the fact that they were that Israel was taken over because of their own sin. And so they would try to kill people and get rid of anybody who was invading them. So people like the Romans. Okay, they were a kind of semi-war with the Romans. And so these zealots would perform many acts of violence against certain people groups who they thought were going against what God would want. So they would kill sinners if you would. what they would consider sinners, okay? Those who weren't Jews and who weren't uh, keeping the law of Moses. Those are the kind of people that they would be violent towards. And so there's a very stark, I think, contrast between people like that, the zealots, who were zealous for, they said they were zealous for God, and Jesus, who was zealous for God, and he had a true zeal for God, okay? And he got rid of the sin, and he had the knowledge to understand what God's will actually was, unlike these people, and he had the wisdom and humility in it, okay, and so he goes through, and he does this, and the disciples remember later on that it's written in Psalm 69 9, zeal for your house consume me, uh, consumes me and the insults of those who insult you follow me, and they remember that it was said that Jesus would have zeal for his father's house, okay, Jesus' says, zeal is good, it's for the right cause with the right knowledge done in humility and wisdom, okay now For us what does this mean okay because we've looked through all these verses we see this passage and it's like this common passage of Jesus going and cleaning out the temple and we're all like good that's awesome good job Jesus all right let's move on but what does it mean for us that Jesus is zealous in this way for God okay I think that for us it means that well means several things I think we can be zealous for God And I think we should be zealous for God. I think it's hard. Um, Some of us are more zealous than others. And so some of us have a struggle to be enthusiastically devoted to anything at all. Right? And then some of us are so enthusiastically devoted to everything that sometimes we have a lack of either knowledge, humility, or wisdom in our zeal. And so I think for us, we need to be zealous for the things of God and we can do that several ways. One, if we want to have knowledge, where do we get it? In the Bible. In the in the Bible. Thank you. Faith. Okay. If you're if we're trying to be zealous for God, but we don't understand God's will, okay, we're not going to be gonna have a good zeal, right? Right. Okay. Prayer, and renewing of the mind. Those are other things that help us, right? Have that knowledge, so we can have a good zeal. Okay, what about, what about humility? How do we have humility and zeal? Why, how can those two things go together? We talked about how Jesus did it. How do we do it? Have zeal for something besides ourselves. Yeah, have zeal. Okay, so if your zeal is focused on what God wants, okay, you can have humility within your zeal. Okay, that's good. And what about wisdom? How do we get wisdom? Pray for it. Pray for it, right? Prayer. Prayer. We can pray for wisdom, and we can have wisdom in our zeal. Okay, so for some of us, okay, for some of us, we're not enthusiastically devoted at all. Okay, we're not enthusiastic about the things of God. Okay, I struggle with that. I struggle with being enthusiastically devoted sometimes. Right, and probably at times in our life, all of us do. But we're not enthusiastically devoted. We need to we need to be enthusiastically devoted about the things of God. Prayer, reading your scripture, reading the Bible, um, and being with other believers who are on fire for God. Those are some ways that you, can, you can do that. And then when we are, okay, let's make sure that we're tempering our zeal with knowledge. Okay? Let's understand what God actually wants and not be zealous for... The zealots in the time of Jesus, they were zealous for what they thought was God's will, but they, they didn't actually have a knowledge of what God really wanted. Okay, and it really was what they wanted. They wanted their invaders gone. They wanted the the people that were uh, oppressing them gone. And so they used the word of God to try and, mani- and manipulate it so that they could say we need to get rid of these people because they didn't like those people. Okay, they didn't have the correct knowledge. Okay, so let's read the word of God. Okay, let's make sure our zeal is focused on God, and then let's have wisdom by praying through it. Okay, praying through. Okay, so. Just some things to think about as we close, okay? We're we're done, but some things to think about. How can you be zealous in our culture? Okay? Because none of us are gonna go into a temple and throw over money changers' tables and make a whip and drive out cows and sheep. Right? At least we could, right? If we could find a temple with cows and sheep in it, we could. But how do we do that in our culture today? Okay? How do we do that? And when we do that, what ends up happening? Okay? A lot of times we end up kind of looking dumb, right? Or Because we're going against the culture, or the grain of the culture. And we kind of look like silly or might be made fun of. Okay? But when we stand up for God and for what He wants and what He desires, okay, that's being zealous for Him. So, an example could be, you know, when when somebody uses the name of Christ or the name of God in an irreverent way, what does that do to you? Are you okay with that? Or, and this is just one example, but, or are you like, man, that bothers me? And are you strong enough and brave enough to stand up and zealous enough to stand up and just say, hey, can you not use that around me? Because that really does bother me. Um, when people, when your friends are doing something that they shouldn't do, are you zealous enough to walk away from that and not, you know, not participate in that? Or are you zealous, even maybe even to stand up and say, "Hey, guys, what you're doing is wrong. I'm not going to participate and, and walk away." Like, are you zealous enough to stand up and be bold uh, because you're zealous for the things of God? You're you're enthusiastically devoted to what He wants rather than what I want. Okay, those are some things, and I mean, I, those aren't like things for all you guys. You guys know what you need to be enthusiastically devoted to. I mean, to God, but the areas, you know, and the ways that you can do that. Those are just some examples. But are we enthusiastically devoted to the Father like God or like Jesus was? Okay, do you think that? Do you think that that made Jesus popular to do what he did? <clears throat> no, it definitely did not. Right. Do you think that went uh, against the culture of the day? Yeah. Yes, it did. Do you think that it was fun for him to do that? Probably not. Mm. Okay. But he was enthusiastically devoted to the Father and the will of the Father. And so he did what was right. Okay. And you guys, we can all do that too. Okay. What are we enthusiastically devoted to? What are we zealous for? Um, if anything... Uh, It should be to the Father and to His will. So let's read the Word of God, understand it, pray for wisdom, and focus on Him and what He wants so we can be enthusiastically devoted to Him. Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, Don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.